0: I've learned in my life that that the most important uh, skill that a person can have is empathy Uh, because, you know, empathy is what allows you to literally put yourself in another person's uh, frame of mind, uh, try to see things from their perspective, understand uh, how they view the, the situation or the topic under discussion, how they view the world, how they view their place in the world. And, you know, it's the more you develop the skills of empathy, then, you know, the better you're going to be at, at working with people.
1: This podcast shows that Ukraine is not what foreigners see on television. In reality, Ukrainian people are much better, much more interesting, and friendly than other people expect. This podcast is about the real life experiences, work, and personalities of Ukrainian people, as well as the people related to Ukraine, with a focus on the capital, Kiev, so that foreigners discover the positive truth about Ukraine, hear the voices from Ukraine visit the country, invest in the economy, and create more opportunities for the younger Ukrainian generations to stay and build their country. Hello, my name is Aziz, and I have a deep connection with Ukraine. My grandfather volunteered in 1987 to help clean the Chernobyl chemical radiation because he believed in humanity. He was a real hero for me, and even though he struggled with cancer after that, For the rest of his life, he always told me so many great things about Ukraine and its people. Then, from 2018 to 2019, for two years, I began working with UNICEF in Ukraine to build orphanages for the children who lost their families in the war. I could not return to Ukraine in 2020 because of COVID-19, so this project is my volunteer work to help Ukraine, and thank you all so much for the support. This podcast now is ranking number one on Apple Podcasts about Ukraine, top 100 travel podcasts in Switzerland, top 60 travel podcasts in the UK, top 25 travel podcasts on Apple Russia, and top 20 on Apple Poland. My guest today is Paul R. Thomas. Mr. Thomas is an economist and financial analyst with over 35 years of international experience, including 20 years' experience in the appraisal and financial services industry in Ukraine, Eastern Europe, and Central Asia. He specializes in the valuation of land, development projects, and financial due diligence. He serves as a special advisor to the rector of the Ukrainian-American Concordia University in Kiev, the only Ukrainian institution of higher education holds bba and mba programs are internationally certified by fiba f-i-b-a-a and accredited in the united states great britain and germany He is responsible for supporting strategic development including developing new academic programs and creating new business scientific and academic relationships for seven years as vice president and president of the economic institute of the american economics Association located at the University of Colorado at Boulder, Colorado. He was responsible for international business development and worked directly with a large number of foreign government ministries, banks, financial institutions, and private businesses around the world. As a professor, he has designed academic programs and taught business and economics courses for, among other, the Economic Institute, the Colorado, Colorado School of Mines at Golden, Colorado, Carnegie Mellon University in Beijing, China, the Ford Foundation in Vietnam, and in several countries on behalf of the Economics Institute. He has authored numerous publications in the fields of industrial economics and international valuation. For eight years, it's really cool. He's such an interesting and prof- a prolific person. So. His introduction is really cool. For eight years, he was a supervisory economist at the United States Bureau of Mines. He was responsible for international strategic mineral analysis involving the evaluation of hundreds of international mining and processing enterprises around the world. He's a partner at IRE Ukraine LLC and Thomas and Simonova LLC. Paul, how are you today?
0: Well, I'm just fine, Abdulaziz. Thank you for having me and, and thank you for uh, the introduction.
1: I loved it. It's like almost five minutes just to introduce you. So I guess the rest <laughs> will do the introduction justice. <laughs> so instead of even saying, like, what is your life story that made you the person you are today? Well, I guess that will be a 50 more minutes, which is very <laughs> interesting. But to begin with, two things. One, is why Ukraine? Is there some tie in somehow, whether in your family lineage or a moment in life that has drawn you or brought you to Ukraine? And the second, why land valuation? Was there an experience as a child where you were in um, the mountains in Colorado and you played around with the rocks and the minerals and you thought, wow, this is so fascinating. I have to be in touch with land somehow, some way, all my life.
0: Well, I'll uh, I'll start with the first question. You know, in uh, January of 1994, so Ukraine had very recently become independent. I was the uh, president of the Economics Institute at the University of Colorado at that time, and uh, the U.S. State Department uh, sent over a group of. Uh, 29 very high-level Ukrainian professionals. Now, they were, uh, you know, from the, from the parliament, uh, financial sector, uh, certain key ministries and, uh, uh, and university people, and one and only one uh, pri- private sector uh, 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 individual. And I, I put together a very special program, you know, for this group. It was very high-level. A, at the university and also in Washington, D.C. and one day uh, during the program, the one private sector uh, individual came up to me, a brilliant woman, a PhD in uh, uh, bridge building engineering, and she said, I want to create an, an appraisal industry in Ukraine because one doesn't exist. And the government says they want to, you know, privatize everything sell everything, because, you know, the government owned absolutely everything, and they want to sell it, but they have no idea what is, what is a price, what is a value, so I want to create this industry. Now, this, this kind of really uh, uh, stuck in my mind, because I, I, I realized, gosh, here we have all of these newly independent uh, uh, countries, uh, and uh, there's entire industries that are missing, such as the valuation industry um, and, and others, because when you have a country that uh, uh, has an administrative economy, so everything is owned by the government, everything is operated. When you 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 have no need for management consultants or auditors or appraisers or you know things like that. I realize that you know Ukraine. Was uh, uh, going through a unique historical transition. And other countries too, um, because no country had ever made a transition from, you know, totalitarian state to a democratic state, from an administrative economy to a market economy. And I thought this sounds historically very interesting, and I've always been curious and. I've been in academe long enough now. So I, <laughs> I left academe, came to Ukraine, and working with a few Ukrainians, we created the Ukrainian appraisal industry. We, uh, we worked with a, a deputy who was in that group uh, in the parliament and wrote a law, he did, that made the job title of appraiser a legal occupation. And, you know, this is where I got my first hint. At at how you know behind the looking glass, different uh, uh, these former Soviet Union countries are. Because you know, in in the United States, for example, uh, you're you're born with all rights. But in Ukraine, you only have government. And so we had to write a law that said, you know, literally every every man has a right to be an appraiser, and every man has a right. So now now we have a legal right, and then we. We became the first appraisers. We wrote uh, the Ukrainian uh, national standards of appraisal together as a group. We uh, created the Ukrainian Society of Appraisers, uh, put together all the same certification requirements uh, as would exist, say, in the United States, we modeled. And, you know, it was kind of fun to to create an industry because sitting in America, it's kind of hard to create an industry. But over here, we had, you know, I had the opportunity to participate uh, and, and create an entire industry and then, you know, set myself up within that industry. That's why I came over here. And I want to emphasize before I turn back to you, you know, my role was always and always has been a supporting role. I believe that if you're going to go to a country and make a positive contribution, you have to find the right people to to work with uh, that are that are qualified, that are that are honest, and then you support them uh, and let them take the lead. And in this case I have always made sure to work with and through brilliant Ukrainians and that's why I've been successful.
1: Thank you. Wonderful. I was listening there noticing so many things that i would love for you to comment on one is your curiosity you have this curiosity which can be really great in academia as it leads to hypotheses and research that is innovative and the drive to do a lot of research because you have an inner curiosity about that and you were happy to create an industry which are traits of more of an entrepreneur rather than someone from academia can you comment on this whether since very young you had this curiosity how did it affect your life maybe make it even better and impact you and whether other people as well in academia or outside seem to have that level of insatiable curiosity you have maybe even a story the other you spoke about writing a law well to people who were never involved with it can you describe how that is because i'm pretty sure it's a lot more normal it is like a group of nice people who hang out together and think things through and write a law rather than something that seems uh for some people like those meetings of uh in those james bond movies of the <laughs> bad guys the group of the 11 or whatever <laughs> deciding the fate of the world it's probably more like a workshop in university so please give more detail and description about that well another thing you said you prepared the high level curriculum for those uh, ukrainians in 1994 to me and this is my understanding The only meaning of a high-level curriculum is that someone can understand it if they understand enough of the higher or like intermediate foundations to understand it. That something is advanced only to the extent, if you cannot get it, if you don't have the foundations that make that possible to understand. So to you, as an academic, when you design curriculums, Do you think this way, that brick by brick, you try to prepare the foundations that each level will uh, be easier to digest and to absorb to those people? As well as, what did you mean exactly with high-level curriculum? I might be missing the point. And finally, you said support, working with and through smart Ukrainians. And support, you actually mentioned this two or three times to you. What is support? Did you take any kind of trainings and facilitation and coaching or where you may be fascinated with some basketball coach or baseball or someone like that, a football coach that you were inspired from uh, to be a supportive force for people in the world? Or maybe your father, you had that inspiration? Or can you comment on definition as well as the source of this desire and drive for to support other smart people while, well, like you said, in the US, it's not that uh, common or stereotypical.
0: Okay, well, um, that's a lot of questions. You know, I'll, 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 I'll address that by by pointing out that uh, uh, I've been fortunate, I think, all my life to, to uh, live in a number of international locations. I've had the, you know, I grew up in the Hawaiian Islands, which was a a remarkably multi-ethnic, multicultural environment, I think that helped translate well uh, into all of my international uh, work. Um, you know, I found myself working all over South Asia, Southeast Asia, East Asia. And what I've always uh, uh, noticed, at least maybe this is just my style, that, you know, again, if you if you want to succeed in a country, whether you're there to do Educational, you know, you 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 have to find uh, uh, local people who who have the expertise, who 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 can take the lead, and then you know you 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 team up and and you you work with them, and I think that that's just something that came naturally to me because uh, everywhere I've ever lived is always you know teaming teaming up. So that that kind of came uh, naturally for me, you know. As far as uh, education in general, take a step back. Education works the more you concentrate on uh, 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 the experiential aspects and the aspects of transferability. You know, if 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 I look at my own life, you know, I went to sort of standard. Uh, universities excellent universities uh, university of colorado university of california santa barbara and and you know you, you, there was always in the educational system in those days uh, with my, uh, back in the 70s um, so you you the idea is that you were always specialized and so i and then when i when i got a job it was in the uh, united states government where i was told to to help organize um, A a multidisciplinary group of scientists, geologists, mining engineers, metallurgical engineers, economists, so that we could study on behalf of the U.S. government, we could study the worldwide mineral. And of course, that was a very great opportunity. I got to be an uh, economic research supervisor. Only problem is, I didn't know anything about mineral economics. But fortunately, uh, I discovered very quickly that you know I'm a better generalist. I'm a better generalist than a specialist, and develop a working knowledge of mining engineering, geology, metallurgical engineering, so that I could communicate intelligently with my fellow scientists, and 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 you know create uh, research. The 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 moral of the story is that from that point on, and that was 40 years ago. Um, I have learned that it's actually better to be a, a bit of a, of, a, of a journeyman generalist and you know be able to be adaptable. And you know, you find yourself in a different economic environment, an entire different profession, an entire different career, a different country. You can still figure out how to get yourself organized, how to team up with people, go forward and do some very positive things. I mean, look, I was a, I was an economics professor when, when I decided that I was going to come to Ukraine and be an appraiser. And, you know, uh, 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 what appraisers do everywhere in the world is the same. They value businesses. They value assets, buildings and factories and, and companies and things like that. But I had never been an appraiser. And I was, I think, 42, 43 years old at the time when I came over here. And so I had to, you know, just again jump into a different country a completely radically different economic uh, social political environment and and develop an entire new career in an entirely new industry uh, that oh by the way didn't even exist at the time so so again uh, I think I think there's two keys in our uh, in our uh, especially our modern world uh, uh, you know, to, to, to success and, and certainly to san- maybe, maybe to sanity uh, and that is, is to be adaptable and, and to be a, a generalist, you know, the, the ability to learn a working level of knowledge of many, many things um, as, as you are required to, because, you know, life changes and and technology changes, industries change. And, and again, also just to, to be able to, you know, very, productively, very respectfully uh, and, and uh, interact with people from many, many different uh, uh, cultures, many different cultural psychologies. And and to, to, to be able to communicate with them, work, uh, you know, an American uh, can't come to Ukraine and all by himself go out and be successful or any other country in the world. Uh, he can be successful, other women, other men, in that country that they're willing to trust. But again, that's team building, understand people. And maybe those
1: are the skills I've had a lot. Leave it at that. Thank you. I have an explosion of questions. (laughs) Wonderful. And I have so many questions, really. Please take notes because this is going to be so good. You said it's very important to be a generalist. Of course, you said the two skills are being adaptable and being a generalist. Well, two things. It's like so many two things in this that's going to be funny. (laughs) The first is we live in a world where people say, and the whole world is saying, specialize, 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 specialization of labor, get specialized in a narrow thing, and therefore you'll be one of the best in the world. Well, in your actual experience in reality, you specialized and then generalized because there is a problem as a generalist. How do you get credibility to be taken? with the same um, appreciation as a specialist, if you're a generalist, which you said, yes, is very valuable. And I agree because it allows you to pull from so many domains in order to innovate in different domains and have different lenses to view the world as a real definition of wisdom is having multiple lenses on reality. Well, do you agree which was your experience that it's also valuable maybe or a good strategy to get credibility and attention to begin as a specialist only enough to get a reputation and then generalize or do you view that in 2021 and beyond the right strategy is to begin as a generalist and then take those hits of not being taken seriously until you know enough to innovate and therefore you will have your day come to you and The second point was like so many. You said adaptable. I believe that's the word that describes you, which is a surprising thing as an academic, although you're so humble. You said that you don't have mental uh, uh, cognitive capacity that is too high. It's more about the soft skills. Well, you jump into different environments. Your life is a whole, jumping from environment to environment. So why do you challenge yourself? I mean, not in a negative or pejorative way but what is your motivation for constantly challenging yourself is it that you dislike routine is it that you have a drive to always be curious what will happen in a new environment or and also as an academic which is not usual do you have a high level of comfort with uncertainty? This is really like a hallmark of an entrepreneur and you display entrepreneurial characteristics, although you're an academic and even in appraisal, which tends to be a more of a traditionalist uh, kind of a uh, uh, banker, almost stereotype, <laughs> where the uh, appraiser will have those glasses and those uh, three-piece suits and everything. You don't imagine them to be dressed like... Uh, uh, a technology uh, startup founder while well, your behavior is more of that also you spoke about the importance of getting working knowledge in the fields that you're targeting to you how do you recognize that 20 percent if we're speaking about the Pareto principle of knowledge that will give you the working knowledge of a field or as a um, also, another thing about Hawaii, it's wonderful. I know that there is a culture of barter in Hawaii. I don't know whether it was in your island or in your culture there, but that is by definition somewhat of a preparation for being uh, someone who values things because you appraise things automatically and grew up without exchanging money for things, but comparing and appraising one thing to another. So, can you comment on whether this affected you? And you said, you team up with people. Well, academics normally are known to not be practitioners. Do you view teams as having complementary skills in a way that you say, okay, I'm an academic, I believe in theory, but there is that old adage that in theory, there is no difference between theory and practice, but in practice there is. So do you view that teaming up is more about completing that action taker Uh, execution kind of skills that maybe you didn't have it at the level that you could or should because academics don't strengthen that part and you spoke about people and that you recognize in people ability intelligence and expertise in a world where like one of the books that i love the most it's in search of cool which is about the scientific study of the human brain and how does the human brain determine what is cool and what is not which is a huge field but in it, they spoke about how um, knowing whether someone is trustworthy or not is really the primordial, most core question of humanity, that if you trusted the wrong person, you basically died in most of history. So humans need to know how, to, who to trust. Well, to you, how do you recognize a real expert? from someone who's pretending to be and maybe have the right parents to get a good reputation and to get yes men all around them that tell them they're so smart and competent while well, in the reality <laughs> they're not but you maybe you don't even have time to do that and i told you there are so many questions i have two more so it's, yeah, well. <laughs> it, it's not it's not gonna end this is for, no it's also because you tell so many things and when you share the stories you don't answer point by point which is beautiful but that means i have so much, so much to talk about also you said you see you use those visual words a lot and you talked about the importance of experiential learning in learning well uh, are you someone who doesn't live in your head like is the stereotype of uh, scientists and academics who live in theory like Einstein, who used to get lost in his thoughts so much that he will forget to return home and just wander around because he didn't live in reality, while you use verbiage of someone who is connected to reality. Can you comment on this? As well as, do you have empathy, like a high level of empathy, which allowed you to have those soft skills to be able to deal and um, respectfully um, interact and build relationships with people from various cultural psychologies as you use those words specifically and finally and it's like so much and I love this you said you organized a group of scientists for the government the U.S. government and it was early on well as someone who's working in the private sector how is managing and dealing with with those scientists working for the government compared to managing employees or associates in the private sector, and I will end in here, although there is so much more.
0: Well, let me let me touch on the point of uh, empathy. I've learned in my life that that the most important uh, skill that a person can have is empathy, uh, because you know empathy is what allows you to literally put yourself in another person's. Uh, frame of mind, uh, try to see things from their perspective, understand uh, how they view the, the situation or the topic under discussion, how they view the world, how they view their place in the world. And, you know, it's it, it, the more you develop the skills of empathy, then, you know, the better you're going to be at, at working with people, especially as in my life, uh, uh, I've you know, work with people all over the world. Um, you 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 referred to me a number of times as an academic, but back to the theme of generalism, uh, when I look back at my life, I see at least five different, radically different uh, careers. I mean, I worked for a uh, big corporation, IBM, I, I worked for big government, I worked for universities uh, i've had my own private businesses uh different kinds of businesses in different locations i've i've now gone back to But the, the work i do here in ukraine i do strictly pro bono uh, because at this stage in my life i want to help develop ukrainians uh, uh, ukraine's export oriented uh, educational industry this uh, country has a vast potential uh, to 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 uh, expand uh, its educational uh, industry and turn it into a major a major uh, export industry as it is, for example, in the United States. Um, so so as for um, gosh, there were just so many questions that you had to ask. But but I do want to emphasize the the issue of empathy and, and and generalism. Now, generalism doesn't mean that you know you kind of. Jump from flower to flower like a busy bee um, you, you you have to develop the, uh, the the ability to learn how to learn. And so when you're confronted with a business opportunity you you recognize okay, these are these are the tasks ahead of us. these are the challenges that are going to require this kind of knowledge, this kind of expertise. and you make sure that your, you yourself understand, Enough, okay, not superficially, but not all the way to the level of a Ph.D. <laughs> but you have to you have to understand how much you need to learn about all the different uh, uh, areas of expertise that are going to have to be drawn upon in order to build a, a business, build a team, build a winning solution. And but again, it's it's generalists that that uh, I think win the game in the long run because look, uh, take, for example, Elon Musk. He has expertise, okay, that he got through his education and through employment, just as you do, just as I do, everybody, right? We get some expertise because we go, we get degree. But Elon Musk didn't just wake up one day and say, you know, I, I think I'm going to build a, 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 a reusable rocket to supply the International Space Station and why not I know how to do that um, he didn't just wake up one day and say, "Well, you know I think I'll build an electric car and shift the entire uh, help to shift the entire global uh, automobile industry from, uh, because I know how to do that um, well, he didn't know how to do that but 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 he he learned what he needed to learn and he organized the team of of other generalists and other specialists, as the case may be, you know, to build the team, realize the vision. But in order to have a vision, you, you got to broaden your perspective away from the very, very, very specific, and, and 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 broaden it more to the general. You know the old expression: you, you can't see the forest for the trees. And and so um, I've always tried to focus on the forest, and that's. That's how I ended up, because when I stood back and looked at Ukraine uh, within a historical context and within its current context at the time, early 90s, I realized that there were there were uh, a number of opportunities here uh, that didn't exist in the United States. Uh, But then I was also able I was able to stand back and look at a country like Ukraine and realize, as have many, many other people, uh, Ukraine is not a poor country. it's a poorly managed country. Well, that's changing and and uh, you 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 have a country that is going to enter the ranks of one of the world's most wealthy and influential countries, given enough time. And so uh, you know I'm happy to be here. but again, what brought me here was seeing opportunities and and I think I was only able to see those opportunities first because of my international experience, but also because my life had also been so, so general. And when I realized, well, I don't know anything about the appraisal industry, I didn't worry because it's like, well, I, you know, I I know how to learn. I've learned how to learn. So I will, I will go to Ukraine and learn everything I need to know about Ukraine. and I will learn everything I need to know about. It. So, so uh, yes, generalism helps you visualize and Gives you the confidence to know that you can succeed, but but empathy is always the uh, 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 without empathy you can't you can't find and read and understand and build relationships that you, you you will need in order to succeed at what you want to at what you want to uh, what you want to do, and you know that's it's difficult uh, when you're going from one culture to another culture. And, and, you know, cultures can be very radically different. But empathy is a very deep emotion. Human beings are naturally empathetic. I, I think we learn to, to ignore our empathy more than to develop it. But if you really give yourself permission to be and you really work on building your empathetic skills, there's no better guarantee of success uh, than that. because. You know, the better your empathy, then the better team of people you're going to organize around you, and the more successful you're going
1: to. I'll leave it. At I that. love this. Yes. So now I won't ask a million questions, but this is interesting. <laughs> I'm going to ask about your general strategy because I'm getting a sense of it, and I will, in a way, um, give the metaphor. You know, those generals who have in front of them that glass board where they have a view of the field. of everything happening and where are all the pieces of the battalion and all that so to me my understanding is you use your curiosity uh, and generalist view so that you build the the pieces of the puzzle to see that lay of the land if we may say Mm -hmm. and then you don't work as a specialist because you don't work in it you just realize which pieces will fit that big picture or vision. And then you build relationships with people that you will put them in charge of or cooperate with them to do to fill those pieces. And as a team together, you see, because you use the specific word, which is you, let me say it exactly how you said it. You take a step back and look, which is what happens exactly when you look at the whole board. So you Mm -hmm. look at it, you build it through curiosity and the more empathy, respect and connection with good quality people you have, the better the team and the skills that you can have access to, to realize that vision at either higher level, more excellent level, more effective level, more successful level. And therefore, that's what I am seeing that your strategy has almost always been. It's to understand fill the pieces of the puzzle to have an understanding then translate that into the necessary people and skills to turn that vision into reality and you're always building relationships with smart and interesting people understanding where they fit in that puzzle and then through the bones or connection you give them the ability to participate and network or expertise and therefore you're always a generalist but as a leader or manager rather than a generalist as in someone who's jumping from topic to topic or someone who's like has a slight interest interest or knowledge of a few things to the extent that makes them dangerous no you know them well enough to build a clear vision of what the future should be and then through uh, empathy all over the world you'll find people from different backgrounds which means that they will have skills you don't have access to in the same environment. And by putting yourself in new environments, you develop that empathy as well as open your eyes to blind spots. You might have not have realized by staying in one environment. And therefore you see more of that board and of that pieces of the puzzle together. Did I understand correctly?
0: Yes, that's, that's basically it. You know, um, I I I wish I could say that uh, you know a lot of what I have done in in my life has been has been pre-planned, but in reality that's not how life uh, works. Um, you know, I, one day I was working in a, a large corporation, and then I saw an opportunity to to go to the U.S. government and participate in this new research program. So I saw the opportunity, and I thought, why not? And I jumped and went into government research as a career. One day, I was invited to go uh, back into academe, and I thought, well, that's a good opportunity. So I jumped and went back into academe, and then I saw the opportunity to do work in a number of personal, Mongolia, Indonesia, South Africa. And whenever the opportunities would come up, I would grab them and then you know make the most out of them apply my expertise where where it where where it was useful and again you know study what i needed to study learn what i needed to learn find the people i needed to to do whatever i was trying to do successfully but you know the the opportunities it's not like you you can't at least in my opinion you can't sort of go through life uh, looking for opportunities uh, you just got to keep your eyes open, and when the opportunities pop up, uh, then you can choose either to pursue that opportunity or not. You know pursuing opportunities can all is always a you know certain amount of uh, risk there but again i'm i 've always been comfortable working around the world i 've always been comfortable in uh, a wide variety of 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 cultural environments. I like people, (laughs) so, uh, you know, so, uh, and I do, I do learn quickly, I am curious, Um, but, but ultimately, um, everything I've been fortunate enough to accomplish is, is, is as a contributor uh, uh, to, to other people's uh, effort. And, and especially the people of whatever country that I'm, that I'm working in. You, know, we, um, you just can't be a, a lone wolf. You can't always take the lead. Uh, we, we, we have this problem. I've seen a lot of Americans around the world lose a lot of money and fail at a lot of businesses, and primarily it's because uh, you know, uh, Americans often tend to be the person who's in the lead. Be the leader, take the decisions, and okay, that that works fine in Nebraska, but it doesn't work in Indonesia, and you know, and it doesn't work. And so again, we keep coming back to that that same point of of uh, you know empathy and curious and being willing to take risks, having confidence in your ability to learn will need to learn in order to accomplish the goal that you've set. And, uh, you know, I think, I think uh, that can be applied pretty much by anybody in their, in, in their lives.
1: I love that for many, many reasons. I'm not going to ask a million questions again, although my brain is firing, but I love this discussion. I want to enrich it, one, by two things. It reminds me of that saying that you can achieve anything you wish for in the world as long as you don't take credit for it.
0: So that's basically,
1: I believe, (laughs) what you're mentioning. And it reminds me of my own life strategy, which I call the regret minimization strategy. It's about opening variants in life. And what many people don't understand about risk is that, yes, by opening yourself to lose, you actually open yourself to win exceptionally. If you reduce risk of uh, losing by not pursuing opportunities, for example, you also limit your ceiling of success and possibility and potential, which means you have to be like willing to take uh, the hits in order to get the glory as well. It, it's uh, both sides of the same coin. Well, to end, and I wish this could go on forever, but I respect your time. Can you speak about Concordia, everything you wish to share about that project, as well as if people wish to connect with you or learn more about your work, where should they go?
0: Well, I'll be happy to mention the university because it's a uh, not-for-profit university. It's uh, one of the very first private universities that was created in Ukraine. And all of my work has been and will continue to be strictly uh, pro bono. So, so you know, I could be kind of like a, a, a big booster. This uh, this university, we teach exclusively in English. We have students from over 50 countries that come. We have our, our bachelor's in business and management. We have a PhD program in economics. And... We are we are fully accredited by FIBA of Germany. It's a very prestigious German accreditation. So therefore, subsequently, we're accredited in a number of European countries, in Great Britain, in Canada, and most importantly, we're we're accredited in the United States. So all of our courses, all of our credits transfer to the United States. But the reason I got involved with Concordia is because you know I. Being an academic, I've, I've seen all over the world this idea that, well, American universities and uh, American professors and American consultants uh, are going to go all over the world and, you know, teach people how to. And I keep thinking, well, you know, what about developing the educational industries within those countries? Now, Ukraine is a very, is a very complex, complex, very broad, very deep economy. This is a very sophisticated, it's one of the leading countries in the world for aerospace, for agribusiness, uh, certainly for uh, computer science, information technology. And it also has a very broad, uh, very deep educational industry. But the vast majority of it, of course, is still owned, you know, controlled by the government, their, their state schools. So helping to develop a private, University educational industry. Well, this was uh, this was something that I couldn't resist, given that I have had at least one lifetime in academia. And again, it, I see the opportunity to help uh, uh, create, uh, help expand a, a, a huge uh, opportunity uh, for the nation of you. Um, and but again, you know, I work as, a, as an advisor. I work, also have you know administrative academic skills as well. But again, I take a secondary role. I help them as much as I can. I do as and it's, it's been great to see this university. Again, it's private. It's not for profit. It's U.S. accredited teaching exclusively in English. And to see it grow and prosper uh, has, uh, has been very personally re- rewarding for me. Uh, if anyone's interested in the university, it's, it's just concordia.edu.ua okay so so a very easy very easy uh, tag to remember concordia.edu.ua all of us have an opportunity we have an obligation is a better term all of us have an obligation that as we go forward in life we need to take whatever success we've been fortunate enough to have and find a way to reinvest that success into other people's success and uh, uh, at this stage of my life, I mean, I consider myself young and I've got a lot of things I'm doing, but I'm at a point where I can I can make available the time. I can dedicate the effort. I can uh, spend my own resources as necessary to promote the development of higher education in Ukraine and, uh, uh, you know, to, to help expand uh, the, the capabilities here and uh, uh, so I feel obligated to do that, and it's also and it's also fun.
1: Thank you. It was a pleasure and honor, and I had so many questions because this is so interesting and fascinating, and you have so much life experience and things to impart and to share. But like all good things, we must come to an end. So <laughs> I wish you a great day and a great 2021.
0: Thank you, Abdulaziz. Thank you for having me and. Uh, Good luck with all your endeavors. Be a generalist, develop your empathy, and love life.